Hi, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Life and Money with Christine Tay. My name is Christine Tay. I'm the founder of Tay Financial Coaching, where I help people transform their relationship with money. I am also a LinkedIn coach, helping people with their personal brand on LinkedIn. I also love talking about life and self-growth, since spirituality is an important part of my life. In this podcast, you will hear talks about money, social media, and life. I hope you enjoy the episodes. Please leave a review if you do. I'd really appreciate that. You can check my services and LinkedIn online course by going to my website at www.tayfinancialcoaching. That's T-E-H-financialcoaching.com. Thank you. Today's episode is a live stream interview with credit coach and serial entrepreneur Victor Johnson. We talk a lot about how credit score works, how to improve your credit score, and the nuances of increasing your scores. Toward the end of the show, we talk about real estate investing. Victor also owns a lot of properties and is a great resource if you want to get started in real estate investing. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Please feel free to subscribe and leave a review afterwards. Thank you. Hi, Victor. Hello there. How are you? I'm doing great. I love Good. this dual screen. Yeah, yeah. So everyone was streaming on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Instagram too. So it's like we're like multitasking everywhere. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll be converting this to podcast too. So hi, everyone. I see eight people joining now. So say hi. Uh, thank you very much for joining. Oh, Arjun is there. Hello. So, okay. So uh, why don't we get right to it? So Victor, you're a credit coach, and then you know, I met Victor on LinkedIn, and then I'm really excited about this topic actually because I'm not an expert with credit score or anything like that. So I thought he's a great person to come on, and then I'm sure you guys have a lot of questions as well. So please feel free to ask. And oh, um, <laughs> um, you know, someone from uh, YouTube said hi. Yeah, what's up, Victor? So I think that's David. Yeah, David Alto is is there. Oh hi, hey, David. What's up, David? <laughs> okay. So all right. So why don't you um why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, and um yeah, let people know what you do and everything. Very good. So my name is Victor Vonico Johnson. A lot of people just call me Vic, but Victor Vonico Johnson, and I am a serial entrepreneur. I have two companies. One is called 555 Equity LLC, where we buy real estate and we rent it out and stuff like that. But for the purposes of this conversation, I want to talk about my other business, which is called Nico Don Projects, where we heal your past and build your future. And what does that mean? We help people improve their hiccups from the past so that they can thrive in their future. So I'm a certified credit consultant. I'm also a, you know, a financial coach, I guess you would call it, where I help people overcome some of their budgeting challenges and really to build that money mindset, which is why I'm so excited to be here with you, Christine, because I've followed you for several months on LinkedIn. And all of your insights and information is always spot on. You're a super money coach. So I'm glad we have an opportunity to talk today. But that's who I am in general. There's so many other things. I, I'm a published author. My book is called Proven Pathways to Wealth and Happiness. I don't know if it'll show yeah. here, but Proven oh, Pathways to okay. Wealth and Happiness cool. awesome. by Victor Vinico Johnson. I am on Amazon or VictorVJohnson.com. Wow, um, yeah, that's what I do. So, and I've been 
pre-COVID, I was able to get out and do a lot of speaking at the colleges here in Dallas and in Atlanta. And of course, you know, educating the young people about financial literacy and the importance and the benefits more so of good credit. So that's what I do. Obviously, I've been online since COVID, but uh, I'm so happy to be here with you today, Christine. Yeah, thank you. No, wow, serial entrepreneur. I'm like, I'm, th I'm like, I thought I was doing well, but listening to your real estate books, I'm like, man, I still have a lot to catch up here. <laughs> hey, you are doing fine. You're doing fine. <laughs> so, no, I actually want to hear more of the real estate too. So that sounds pretty good. And then, and the books. So I just launched my podcast, but I don't know about writing books because, like, I'm not. Um, I don't feel pretty good with my grammar and everything. My friend always like, you know, catch grammar errors and stuff like that. So maybe that's more the. We link can talk about that. There are solutions <laughs> for those things too. Trust okay, me. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So let's talk about your credit business. So it's like, yeah. how did you got? Okay. So. Which one of your business was your first? Like, I, I also, I'm just curious, like, when did you become a full-time entrepreneur? Were, were you ever incorporated or like, yes, were you? Absolutely. Okay. okay. So um, I honestly just became full-time entrepreneur where this is all I do. This is what pays all our bills in February of 2019. So for about really? a year and a half oh. now, I've been 100% doing this. Now, five years Prior to that, we had already started doing our real estate investing, buying single family rental properties. And so my journey really starts, um, you know, I'm in my mid 40s. I'm not ashamed mm -hmm. to say that. 46 years old at this time. And from mm -hmm. the age of 18 until mm -hmm. I was about 37 years old, my credit score was, I don't think it ever got above 525. I mean, wow. it was horrible. And I was making decent money, you know, 70, 80 grand a year at some points and even making 100 grand a year towards the end of that journey. But I worked mm -hmm. most of my career, Christine, I worked in call centers as a uh, call center manager. And those oh, wow. call centers were collection agencies. So oh. I was teaching people how to collect debt while I was going home and avoiding many of my debts, you know, just being honest with you. And so probably around 2013, 2012, really, I got very serious about my finances because now the little kids that were around me were now like little mid-teenager type kids around me, my own kids. And I just got motivated to get my own personal credit together. So mm -hmm. I used information that I got from the credit industry where I was working in the call centers all those years uh, around collection agencies and again, debt buyers and things like that. And I applied it to my own life. And so the journey of going from bad credit and paycheck to paycheck to great credit and a portfolio of rental properties and comfortable uh, business income coming in, it was a, a hard journey, but that's what the book is about, what all I did to get there. And so people started talking to me about, hey, you talked about this in the book, can you help me with my credit? And I just thought it would be a good idea to become a certified credit consultant, got some additional training, went and got certified, took some testing and things like that, and just staying abreast of all of the important factors about credit reporting. And so the journey was corporate, fix myself while I'm in corporate, while I'm transitioning to entrepreneur. And then of course, now I'm a full-time entrepreneur. 
Wow, that is so inspiring. I'm like just inspired listening to you. That's awesome. I didn't really come from that background. So it's like my background hasn't really been like, oh, I suffer from so much stuff. So I've always been very good with finances. I think I only did one major uh, big financial mistake when I short sell my property during the housing crash. So I regretted that because I live in Silicon Valley. And then it's yeah. like, no, the home is like when I'm like, oh, I could rent it out. So I was like, I was like, oh, so anyway, so go forgive yourself that's right. that's the well past. you got out of that particular situation <laughs> that was the best thing to do at the time yeah so so i'm curious so how do you become a credit counselor like how long does that take what do they teach you and, and stuff like that then we get into like the credit yeah. repair and all that stuff mm -hmm. well i love that you asked that question because there are a lot of people out there using the moniker of a credit coach but haven't mm -hmm. gotten any certifications or haven't taken mm -hmm. any formal training around that um they just study you know maybe fico scores or they know yeah. some things that help them but i actually went and studied so there's a, a several companies out there but uh credit associates of america is one um credit consultants uh, association cca they offer some training and some some education that uh mm -hmm. keeps you tied in to all of the updates that are happening with the fico scores all the various versions of fico scores vantage scores and just teach you about the things, the behaviors, and the uh, the algorithm rather of FICO and Vantage Score, the triggers that cause your scores to go up, the triggers that cause them to go down. Obviously, mm -hmm. paying bills is an important factor, but we'll talk some more about some other things that you can do um, mm -hmm. that are kind of you know unspoken about, but they're very easy to do to get your scores where they need to be. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. So how how many months did it took you to to get that? Oh, um, this was honestly, it only, it was a self-paced, uh, program. Okay, okay. So you do your courses online, you study okay. everything there, and then they give you access to some mentors and things like that. But it okay. took me, uh, it took me about three weeks um, okay. to go through the full platform. And then you're taking tests as you complete each module. And, you know, then at the end of it, they give you this yeah. nice little pretty certificate that gives you okay. um, credentials for a year. So every year I update those credentials to oh. ensure that I'm still, you know, staying uh, good, good. on top so, of my game. Oh, so you, you have to do continuing CE or like to refresh that certification every year. Okay. Well, I, I, I am interested actually because like that's something, you know, I'm passionate about money, like, you know, so I always like to learn new things. So I'll, I'll look into that. I love that. Okay. So now let's get to the juice of the entire ah. talk. Okay, of course, we're okay. going to be talking about everything else too. But so, okay, credit score. So let's say a, a client, you know, one of the questions that client come to me is like, oh, I have low credit score. Like, how do I, how do I like increase that ASAP? They, they think that there's always a magic formula and stuff like that. So as far as I know, it's like, you know, you'd be responsible with your paying the credit cards, minimum at least, never never delay. But, but and then I also heard about, um, you know, like you can pay more every week. Like, for example, you have a $1,000 charge this, this week. So maybe if, if when you get your paycheck Friday, pay that off right away because they pull your credit score like every two weeks, right? So, mm -hmm. so tell me, I mean, okay, if someone comes to you, like, would they have 500 credit score? Like, what would you tell them in how to build that credit? Like, you know, and how long realistically can they see a hundred point improvement and not just like some false promises? Oh, I'm going to help mm -hmm. you. I'm going to call this credit card company for you and yeah, I can give right. you the hundred right. points later. So, right, yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. No, that's all great points. I appreciate you saying that because again, this industry is not popular. 
to, to be a credit consultant, credit repair, credit restoration, whatever people call it, it's, it's had a bad stigma because of from the 90s and early 2000s, many of them yeah. were out there just, you know, basically doing illegal tactics to help people. And then that stuff bounced back to the consumer. So exactly. the true answer is if somebody immediately reaches out to me and say, hey, I heard you are a credit consultant. I need help. We're going to schedule a consultation, 15 minutes, uh -huh. and we're going to actually have I'm going to have them pull their FICO scores. I don't really care about what you're telling me. I need mm -hmm. to see what the FICO score is calculating. So, mm -hmm. yes, FICO will charge you to do a credit monitoring to pull that score. But we need to see the real data so that we can give you proper guidance from there. And, and I, the reason that I have them go to FICO is because 90 percent of lenders, whether you're buying a house, a car, a credit card or a loan, they're using FICO predominantly to determine your your payment behaviors, which is that's all the credit score is. So anyway, I'll go through a 15 minute consultation with them once they if they don't have their credit score, we'll talk through that in general and then I'll direct them to pull that FICO. Once they have the FICO score or the report, then I can thoroughly look at it and say, OK, I see where some of your your opportunities are to improve. And, you know, within my business, we have some tools. So we we have an attorney that backs us that has an attorney software that will go in and identify um, mm -hmm. any errors that are reported to your credit report. And so what credit repair companies do, they just start flashing out letters to the credit bureau saying, hey, this is this is inaccurate. This is inaccurate. This is inaccurate. Mm -hmm. We don't need your letter. We're not sending letters for you. We don't take a copy of your ID. We just take that FICO credit report that you set up on your own. We mm -hmm. upload it into our attorney proprietary software and it starts looking for those errors and it challenges the data on there for 90 days, well, for 45 days and in a second period. Then the rest of it is us guiding them through each item on their credit report and telling them which items have the fastest and most impact to give you an increase in your score. Because many people will pull their credit score and they'll see 10 items on there that are negative and they'll just start slowly, one at a time, paying them off or maybe even attacking the highest interest rate first. That's not always the fastest way to improve your score. If you're trying to clear your credit of all bad debt, well, yeah, that's a strategy to do it. But there are some faster methods to get your score up legally without creating fake Social Security numbers and flinging 10,000 letters to the credit bureaus and jamming up that process. So mm -hmm. to answer your question, they would do a 15 minute consultation. I would look at their credit report and give them specific guidance uh, on what we need to do to help them get where they're trying to go got it so if you don't mind like can you give me an example without giving you know the client yeah. detail like what have you helped them like when you saw something they're in the 500 maybe bad credit score what did you see and what did you advise them like top three to work on that actually improve their credit score fast for sure so typically mm -hmm. you're always going to see a credit card that's overutilized you know somebody has that thousand dollar credit limit and they're charged up to 90 or 990 dollars right so obviously I'm not a guru to tell you, pay your credit card down to improve your credit score. Um, you know, traditional wisdom says bring it down under 30%. Well, we'll guide them to get it down under 10%, not to zero, but to 10 under 10%, like 9% of the limit, because you don't want it to go to zero. They could close out your card and then you lose whatever positive history that that card had, plus mm -hmm. the age of credit. So that would be one thing, you know, looking at where they are with their credit utilization. 
Okay. Secondly, we always see collection accounts, right? Mm -hmm. And so whether the, depending on whether that account is with still with the original creditor as a charge off, or if it has actually been sold or uh, assigned to a collection agency as a collection account, that determines which way we would go to, to address that. But I can tell based on the coding, the type of account, how they have it categorized, I can tell right off just by looking at it within two seconds, whether or not that collection account makes is, is one being accurately reported, but two, whether or not it makes sense to even pay it as far as raising your score. It may make sense to pay it as far as approval for a mortgage, but mm -hmm. for your credit score, it may not have any impact on improving your score. So yeah. I'm able to see some of those nuances based on the type of account that it is and how long it's been on there and that kind of thing. But those are two quick things. Pay your credit card down and then, of course, tackle any um, collection items that are inaccurately being reported. Got it. Got it. OK, you said FICO score. What do you think about credit karma? Okay, so Credit Karma is generating your credit score from the Vantage credit, uh, credit scores. Mm -hmm. Vantage is another scoring model. There are two major uh, scoring models out there. FICO is the big dog out there. And then mm -hmm. TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, back in 1990, they created their own scoring model, I guess just to kind of keep FICO honest. And they mm -hmm. created their own scoring model called the Vantage score. Mm -hmm. And both FICO and Vantage go through frequent iterations you know, and updates. So there's a Vantage 2.0, a Vantage 5.0 and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. FICO 2, 4, 5, 8, 12, you know, there's all these FICO scores. And mm -hmm. so when people always come to me and say, well, hold on, let me see what my credit score is. And they'll go on their phone. And of mm -hmm. course they're going to their Credit Karma. Well, Credit Karma has me, let's see, my TransUnion is at 580 and my uh, Experian is at 585. Well, first of all, excuse me, your Equifax is at 585. Credit Karma is not going to give you your experience score. So you're only getting two of the three major scores, first of all. And then two, mm -hmm. the algorithm is different. And I wish I would have been able to like share a screen. We could have set this up for another call, mm -hmm. but I can show you how the two different algorithms are calculating. I'll give you one example. FICO scores, they will look at the number of inquiries and new accounts added mm -hmm. to your credit report mm -hmm. and that factor is about 10 percent of your credit score mm -hmm. so if you have a, a 850 is the max score up to 85 points will be impacted by too many inquiries or having mm -hmm. too many new loans on fico mm -hmm. that same behavior on vantage score new inquiries and new loans is i think 28 percent so meaning that, and just a quick calculation on 850, 28% is 238 points. So if you lost 238 points on your credit score, that brings you down to 612 versus losing, you know, 85 points on an 850, you're still in a 760. So it's two different scores. You're that same exact behavior. You pull your mm -hmm. FICO score and you're at 760, but on your Vantage score, you're sitting at a 612. That's mm -hmm. one of the biggest differences. And so I don't like using Vantage scores, which is Credit Karma, CreditWise, many of the free credit reports. If they don't have that FICO logo, it's not mm -hmm. a FICO credit score.
God. Okay, so when I'm getting car loans, mortgages, they they run FICO, right? An advantage or no? No, that you know you oh. need to ask the lender because okay, some of okay. them will use FICO. The mm -hmm. bigger lending lending institutions and underwriters mm -hmm. are going to use FICO. It's just okay. more reliable. Um, okay. Some smaller companies, it's probably cheaper to use a Vantage score or some may use FICO, but they will only report to your TransUnion FICO, not to your okay. Experian or your Equifax. So you won't know just walking onto a car lot whether or not, oh, this is mm -hmm. a FICO credit reporting <laughs> pulling company. You, know, you yeah, won't know yeah. that until you get down and yeah. sit down with the finance manager. Got it, got it. But then like when you have any debt, like those credit card companies, do they report everywhere at all? Like let's say you have late payments, so they report that everywhere, right? The credit bureau reports based on oh. what that company wants that company wants to report to. So I'll give you an example. Let's say, and I, I'm not representing any company out there, but let's say yeah. I own XYZ car dealer and mm -hmm. I let you buy a car for me two years ago. Mm -hmm. You stopped mm -hmm. paying on it and I repossess yep. that car, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm only reporting your payments and all that stuff. I decided I'm only gonna report it to Equifax. Okay. Mm. So when you go somewhere and apply for another car or a house, mm -hmm. if they don't pull your Equifax mm -hmm. or when they pull your FICO report, they'll see, well, hey, your, your Equifax score is so much lower than your TransUnion and your Experian. I wonder why. And when mm -hmm. they pull the detail, they'll see, well, that repo is only reflected on your Equifax, not your Experian and TransUnion. So that's mm. what I'm telling you. There's Got so it. many yeah. nuances in. You'll look at <laughs> 10 accounts on your credit report. Five of them are reporting on all three, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. Five, uh, two of them are only reporting to TransUnion. Three yeah, might yeah. be reporting to Equifax. So okay. the lender decides how they want to report that. And they usually are making that decision based on the risk that they feel you would be. Um, Got it. If you're Got somebody it. that they think might default down the line, they might report to all three so that anywhere you go that thing is going to pop up and you're going to have to take care of my debt <laughs> got it got it. okay so let's let's talk about like the the credit cards like okay so so i know i've i've seen people like open credit cards then close again especially like travel points so like and i know about the length of time so if you've had that uh credit card for a while so i guess it's better to just like charge maybe ten dollars every couple of months or whatever just to keep it open so tell me what is a general rule about credit cards like when can we close when can we open and then like what if we want to take advantage of his travel rewards can we just open and a month later close it because like i know a friend he claims that he's been opening and closing it doesn't really affect his credit score so tell us more about that like how was how does that work excellent points so mm -hmm. it's important to keep in mind that your credit score is taking into consideration all of the activity that's reporting to your credit report so in this guy's example, he might have two or three houses that he's paying mortgages on and never been laid on. That's keeping his score solid no matter what his credit card activity is. Got it, got it, okay. Um, somebody else who doesn't have that mixture of credit, it's very important that they manage the credit that they have, which might be mm -hmm. just the credit cards. So mm -hmm. my rule of thumb is, let me give you an analogy. If you have a open and active credit card, meaning that the card is open, you're using it frequently, you know, on a monthly basis, paying it down, using it, paying it down. That is considered open and active. Let's say that activity is worth 10 pounds. You're, you're lifting weights, that's a yep. 10 pound dumbbell. <laughs> yep. Well, when that card goes to zero, and let's say it's been at zero for three, four months, and a credit card company's like, well, I guess they're not gonna be active on this card anymore, and they close it. Well, now 
even though you may have never been laid on that credit card because it's now in a closed status, it's only worth the two pound dumbbell. So mm -hmm. you didn't, you still got positive credit because you had a positive payment history while it was open, but mm -hmm. you just lost 80% of its value because it's not active and it's not open. The okay. credit bureau, the credit scores are based on, they're trying to determine, are you a safe bet to loan to based on everything else that's going on? So if mm -hmm. I am a FICO company and I am telling Capital One, GMAC Auto, yep, trust my data. Christine is the best customer you're gonna have walk on a lot today based on her credit scores. Well, mm -hmm. I gotta know that based on how you paid your credit card, how you manage open accounts, that you can take on more responsibility. Therefore, I'm gonna push your score up. But if mm -hmm. I see where as soon as you added another credit card, you closed a credit card, that might suggest that you can't balance things outright. So if you're looking to open up a new credit line or another credit card for rewards or points, I would just suggest make sure that your overall total utilization, mm -hmm. I don't care if you got one credit card or 10, the combined balances should not be more than 30% of the total available credit that they're extending to you. Got it. So it doesn't wow. matter if you get one, two, 10 cards, um, you're, you'll see your scores fluctuate, but not mm -hmm. wide ranges. And again, unless you were to suddenly decide to close several of your credit cards that you've been paying on good, mm -hmm. and now they're no longer coded as active. Now they're coded as closed. So you just lost a lot of the value that you have Got built it. up over that time period. Hopefully that wow. makes sense. Folks. wow that's that's yeah that's very interesting yeah my friend probably is has a very good like mortgage and everything that's why it doesn't really matter what so you have to really look at the overall picture okay that yeah. makes sense um okay so in the comment rob sharkey asks how often would you suggest check checking your credit all right so without driving yourself completely insane um <laughs> you know i don't suggest checking your credit every day right i mean the, the changes aren't going to happen that frequently but yeah i do suggest checking them no less than quarterly right uh -huh. but right now because of covid and the cares act you could check your credit score every single week every seven days until april 2021 because there have been some benefits that have come out of uh, cares act you know that are helping consumers with their credit so Mm -hmm. These are new changes, not only for the consumer, but for also the people reporting this data, you know, like student mm -hmm. loans right now. Uh, those have been, you know, frozen for people that are making student loan payments. And mm -hmm. if you are making a payment, they're not supposed to be charging you interest right now, at least as of mm -hmm. January 31st through yep. the end of COVID. So that's a new procedure. If you didn't make a payment and, you know, the, the student loan administrator is used to applying a late payment, or a late fee to you, or a even worse, a negative late remark on your credit report, they may not have their processes down right. And it's important mm -hmm. for you to check your credit report to ensure that they are following these new CARES Act mm -hmm. guidelines. So yeah. I would suggest now, because we're in a unique situation, probably checking your credit report at least monthly, um, mm -hmm. especially if you have uh, some upcoming purchases or things going on in the next six to 12 mm -hmm. months. Uh, mm -hmm. I would highly encourage people to look for, you know, inaccurate data, stumps, things that you might have paid off, 
that are still showing up on there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, all that kind of activity, you need to kind of see what's happening with you. And if you're not planning any purchases, pull your credit report anyway, just to see what somebody else sees mm -hmm. you as mm -hmm. you decide, you know what, I need a new car. My car broke down. I need a new car and I need mm -hmm. to finance it. You need to know what they're going to be seeing on that credit report, at least Got before it. they do. Got it. So, so where do you recommend to check the credit score for free or credit report for free? I know I use Credit Karma, but do you have any other recommendation? I mean, I don't know if Credit Karma is good enough or what do you recommend? Yes, I should have said that. So the only place you can get the free weekly credit report is annualcreditreport.com. Okay. Annualcreditreport.com. And that is the only official uh, credit reporting entity that um, mm -hmm. the government feels comfortable, you know, relying upon for mm -hmm. this data. So yeah, that's the only one you can get the weekly one for free. So is that, is that just because of COVID you can do weekly? Cause, oh, okay. okay. Otherwise you can get one free per year through that same uh, website. Got it. Okay. But as part of COVID, they're doing it every week. Got it. And got it. the one thing to remember, they're not, it's not going to show you your credit score. It's going to show you your credit report oh. and your credit data. So you're going to have to go to FICO if you really want to see your credit score. So how much is FICO? I mean, like, can can someone still use Credit Karma because it's, it's free? Like, yes. you just generally? Sure. And I'm not sitting here yet. I don't want to bash Credit Karma. People, <laughs> there are lenders that use that data, and it's very important okay. for you to rely upon that data. And in general, it's still showing you your behaviors. It's just scoring some of those behaviors differently than FICO would score those behaviors. Mm -hmm. So... What I encourage people to do, if you're going to look at your credit karma, just go further than just that quick wheel that they're going to give you that shows you the score. Mm -hmm. Click into the detail so that you can see what's what the details are. And then even more importantly, what I really love about credit karma is it will show you what changed from the last time that you saw your score. So mm -hmm. I would highly encourage people to look at that. And then that will at least tell you, oh, man, I paid off this credit card and my score either went up or down, depending on some other factors on your credit report and that will maybe help you determine how to move forward with your credit card activity you know but Got yeah it. credit karma is still good it it's more though for an advertising so one of the first things you're going to see <laughs> of course, on a credit free, card right? say, hey yeah. this credit this is the perfect <laughs> credit card for you you should get this credit card just ignore those just ignore those and focus on the information okay so just exactly. scroll scroll and then okay so so don't worry about those ads okay so we have a lot of uh, great oh, questions so arjun yeah. sohani asked Great topic. Uh, my credit score jump up when I start carrying a balance on several of my credit cards. Like, how do you explain that to Victor? <laughs> okay, so he probably, and I don't know what his score or what his activity was before that, but if he didn't have a lot of activity, there's not a lot to score on. But if you go suddenly and open up credit cards and you're actually paying them or loans and you're paying them effectively, it's going to shoot your score up tremendously. Because now it's saying, well, here's a person that really didn't have much activity going on. They just went out and got three loans or whatever. And they're actually three months in, they've been paying them on time the way that we've asked them to according to term. So that's a positive. And that tells FICO, hey, this is somebody that's probably gonna be responsible. So let's kind of start nudging them up that scale a little bit. So that's definitely something that I would suggest, um, you know, without getting too crazy and open up tons of credit cards, if you're a person that ha doesn't have any credit, you know, you might start out with one card and see, you know, manage that appropriately 
and then go to maybe a gas card or something slowly kind of start building up your credit that way don't go crazy and, and start opening up with tons of credit cards just <laughs> because you think it's going to shoot yeah. your credit score up cool thank you arjun i hope that makes sense okay so arjun asks uh, what do you think about credit monitoring services or id theft services like the experience one lifelock and xander idt um those are all fine you know mm -hmm. you can they're doing what the consumer can do on their own you know we we have the ability to put a freeze on our credit reports without any cost we have the ability to you know investigate all these type of things but these are companies that um you know they're they're effective and they usually will give you some kind of notification if there's a new inquiry that happened you went and applied for something you didn't you know uh, realize they were going to run your credit you'll get a notification those type of things i love those services for that mm -hmm. just because it's more instantaneous than you waiting till next week to go pull your your credit report again you know that so i would applaud those companies specifically mm -hmm. for that reason but again um you know i can't advertise or promote any one over the other i would say if you're going to do credit monitoring you might as well go with fico because they're the ones that 90 percent of lenders are using so me personally i use fico for myself and my wife to ensure that our scores are where we want them to be got it got it. so just to give an idea how much does fico cost if someone wants to have all the services with fico Absolutely. So FICO, again, I'm not an affiliate of theirs or I don't work for them, but FICO has three or four different products is what they're calling it. So, mm -hmm. or maybe just to get one of the credit reports and one uh, monthly monitoring, they might charge you, I think, $19 a month. But mm -hmm. the one that I always advertise or suggest my clients to get is the advanced product. The advanced one is going to give you all three credit reports. It's going to give you an updated credit report and FICO score every 90 days and you'll get text message or email alerts every single time something has happened on your credit score up or down so if you paid off paid down a, a credit card by 20 dollars, the next day if not that same day it's going to give you an alert hey you just reduced your balance by 20 dollars. hey your score went up 10 points or five points whatever it is so i love FICO for the credit monitoring. It's $29.85 per month. Um, okay. It's not a contract. You can cancel at any time. Um, I think they have a one-time product where you can pay like $60. They'll give you all of that that I just described as far as the three credit reports, the FICO scores, but it's not a monitoring service. You won't get the alerts going forward. Got it, got it. Okay, so Kyle has a question. Um, Kyle Cantor said, as of two months ago, all of my credit cards are paid off. How often do I have to keep them active by using them again? So hopefully in the two months, they haven't closed any of them. I will go out and buy a, a cup of coffee or something, <laughs> Kyle, and then make sure you pay that $6 in full before the month is out, you know? But I would say you're right at the verge where, you know, they're, they're the credit card companies are constantly they're in this thing to make money so if you're not charging the card you're not making them any money especially if there's mm -hmm. a zero balance on it mm -hmm. yep, if you have exactly. a balance they don't care if you're not using it they're still gonna make the interest on the balance that you do yeah. carry but so yep. you have to think of it as a business they need you to use their money so that they can continue making money from you otherwise they're like hey well, this guy's already figured this thing out. We're going to cut him off. So, uh, Kyle, go buy a cup of coffee, my friend. <laughs> 
So so oh, so you so you have um so so for you it's okay to have as many credit cards as long as you don't use it. But then keep it, you know, just keep it for the length of the time. You can even just put it on the side and just make sure to kind of go through them, revolt, uh, you know, through them, um, to to just charge them, right? And then like that's only if you. I, I'm not encouraging people to open a bunch of credit cards, okay? But if you already had some before, so just keep it alive. If when, if, especially when you have such a long time frame on that, right? Just to you know, I don't know, a Macy's card maybe just charge ten dollars or something like that and then just to keep that um you know credit cards alive okay good question Absolutely. kyle okay mm -hmm. but uh rob said does the bank pull from all of the credit card companies when you get your free one does the bank pull from all the credit card companies when you get your free one when you get your free credit report i guess i assume he, he he meant like some i think some banks do offer that uh, a free credit uh, reporting like sometimes okay. i think my my city bank and chase something they do offer that right. and then i do see the credit score but sometimes not all of them have the credit report although i don't really use them but i do see credit score from some of my banks so that uh question rob is a very specific to that banking institution so I uh, one of the banks I'm with is Chase Bank and the credit monitoring that they offer is not for all credit. I think it's only Experian that I'll get from them uh, with my USAA. Um, they're giving me my Vantage scores from all three credit bureaus. Uh, but again, it's the Vantage. So you kind of I would check with my bank to find out uh, or even when you go into that app on your phone or on your laptop, it should show you when you go to click onto that, usually it's gonna take you to a third party service to get that data. And that will usually tell you, hey, this data is pulled from FICO or from Vantage, and it's gonna be your TransUnion Experian Equifax. So um, I would check specifically with my banking institution on that one, Rob. Yep. Okay, thank you. Okay, Saki so asks, how many times can you ask for a credit increase? You know, I don't even ask this, they just increase my credit. But then like, I guess that could be good, right? That will actually improve your credit utilization. So your denominator will be higher than your percentage will be lower, right? So what do you Sakia, think about that? Sakia <laughs> just pulled out one of my uh, my my secret weapons for some of my clients. <laughs> Just no longer a secret now, Sakia. No you secret. got Victor in trouble. That's all right. No, no, no. It's good. I love that because she is a educated consumer. So mm -hmm. I don't know how often you can add. I mean, you're only going to be able to do it probably every six months, maybe once a year on average, just based on what I've seen. There might be other credit card companies or banks that will let you do it quarterly. Uh, it doesn't make sense for them to do it more frequently than that, I wouldn't think. But um, I would say probably once to twice a year, and it's definitely going to be based on how you've managed the credit utilization that we talked about a while ago. Um, and to your point, Christine, most of the time, if you've been doing great with your payment history, you'll just go on your account one day to check the balance or make a payment. Like, holy cow, they added an extra thousand dollars to this thing, right? Yeah, I got so, to ten thousand. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's a great. So one of the secret is again, if I have a client that has a $500 um, balance on a $1,000 credit limit, they are at 50% utilization. $500 is half of the $1,000 credit limit. So if their scores are in the low 600s and I, I don't see any other threatening items on there, so to speak, I would say, look, here's some things we're gonna do on your side, but for you, when you hang up this phone, call your credit card company, see if they'll raise your limit from $1,000 to $2,000. Well, now, that if they do that, you went from 50% utilization to 25% utilization. 
you probably just boosted your credit score by 20 points with that phone call. So that's a great guidance, Sakia. Um, call your credit card company, especially if you haven't had it done in 2020. I would definitely call them, especially if you've been paying them on time or you're not late. Um, a lot of the credit card companies are helping people through COVID by help by giving them extended credit or uh, higher balances on their credit cards. Oh yeah, to that question. So um, to, um, so uh, because of coronavirus, can can um clients actually call credit card company? Let's say they have a balance of two thousand dollars and they've been paying just the minimum or whatever they can. Do you, are are credit cards company offering now? Like you can call them and say, hey, can you give me a discount or whatever, like a, a settlement, whatever. Like I'm, I I can pay all of that. Can you give me a discount? Like is is that a good negotiation to call credit card companies to try to help people get out of credit card debt right now? So it's important to know what status you are in with that credit card. So we talked about in the uh, earlier part of the show, if you are still with the same original creditor, but you're now more than you know 120 days past due on your balance, that is what's called charged off. And if it's charged off, it's not always as easy to get them to take a, a reduction in your payoff, which is called a settlement. However, it, from a taxation standpoint, that company, when they charge it off, they've just told the IRS, it's probably not likely I'm gonna get my money back. So I need to get some of my money back as a write-off from you IRS. And so it gets coded as a charge off. Uh, once that happens, you have a greater probability once it becomes that, um, I'm sorry, once it becomes a collection, uh, that's when you have the greater opportunity to get the settlement, which is again, that discount. Um, um, I don't know, right now, credit uh, collection agencies and credit card companies that are collecting on past due credit cards, I'm sure they're being a little bit more favorable than before, partly because, well, at least up until January 1st here in Dallas, the courts were closed. So even if they didn't, if you weren't paying them and they wanted to get a judgment against you, they were in line waiting on the courts to open back up. Yeah. So they were probably a little more favorable with working with somebody as opposed to before COVID. Um, yeah. As things start opening up more and getting back to what we call normal, I guess, um, I would say it might be a little tougher. But I'll give you another secret. Hey, I'm full of secrets today. <laughs> I worked in collection agencies for almost 15 years, basically. And... I'm going to tell you the best time to negotiate your settlement is the last two days of the month. If you call a credit, especially if it's been in collections for you know more than 90 days, six, six months or something, call them and you know see if they're willing to negotiate. Look, you say I owe you 500. I got $200 right now. I can wire it to your Western Union. If you send me a letter, if you send me a letter stating that upon receipt of my $200 payment by this date, that this account will be considered satisfied mm -hmm. in full. Well, once you get that and you're comfortable, then you can go about settling that account. Somebody okay. just said that you should never negotiate anything less than account closed satisfactory. Okay, so I, I'm gonna go to the comments in a bit. So, so, so basically, okay, so you said 120 days. So, so the credit card has up to 120 days to actually try to uh, get money from you. Then it goes to collection. Is that correct? Well. What at the 120 days past due mark, that's when the company uh, will charge it off. So okay. meaning for their books, they have to report that I haven't been, I haven't oh. been getting paid from this. So it, it. it gets coded as a charge off. And what usually it? once it becomes a charge off, 
that's usually the point when the creditor will say, you know what? No need to keep oh. it here in our office. Let's go ahead and outsource it to a collection agency. Oh, got it. You know, and that kind got of it. thing. Got yeah. it. Okay, but then, but then that gets coded by the IRS. Okay, so because like there's also a, a um forgiven like so, some forgiven loans. So so when does that become forgiven? I guess when the settlement says, okay, we're not gonna collect it from you. Then let's say it's three thousand, we never collect from you. So gotcha. it will become a taxable income. So when yeah. does that happen? So it seems like there's different stages or so yes. charge up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great credit. Uh, great okay. question. Um, so, and I'm not a CPA, I'm not an accountant. So I, I need to say that first, you need to speak to your professional tax uh, professional mm -hmm. if you have tax questions. But what I can tell you is that once you have your, you've settled an account and they have written off $600 or more, or I think it's actually $599 mm -hmm. or greater mm -hmm. or greater than 599. Mm -hmm. So $600 or more, then you will have that $600 or greater reported uh, by that entity as basically income. Because basically what they're yes. saying is you had a $1,000 credit card that was charged off with us. Yes. We yes. gave you an offer to pay $400 to settle it. Uh, so technically you saved $600. We're going to report okay. that to the IRS and they're going to okay. tax that as yes. income because we didn't get it. So we're going to basically blame it on you okay. and you got to pay the tax on that. Again, okay. your tax situation yeah. may be completely different, yeah. but they okay. will report it because they waived more than $600, more than $599 on your debt. Got it. So when they go to collection, the $400 go to collection because they say 600, we forgive the $600 and $400 go to collection. Usually do they, is that typically what happened? Like after 120 so, days? The 400 in that example was the amount that you and the collection agency agreed to pay oh, as the okay. amount of your. So in other words, it okay. was a $1,000 balance. You guys agreed, okay. hey, pay me 400 and we'll make this thing go got account it. satisfied, as the gentleman says here. And that okay. $600 that you did not pay, mm -hmm. you don't owe it anymore, but they're yeah. going to report it to the IRS and say, hey, we didn't. We told you that this was for a thousand or we bought it, you know, a balance of a thousand, but we only mm -hmm. collected 400 and that 600 got waived. So there may got be a tax it. event related to that with. Got uh, it. So, so that's that. about the 120 days when it goes to collection. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Got Okay. Arjun must uh, just clarify more information on my first question. I hated the idea of credit card debt. So I always paid off my cards in full over the course of six years. I opened around 15 cards. Wow. <laughs> Free stuff, by the way. Score flow. The score floated around 750. When I start carrying balances in 2020, it shot up to 800, 800 for the first time. When you started so, carrying balances. So, so Arjun, did you mean you never carried balances in those 15 cards or like very little? So I, I don't know. I assume there was very little balance and then he just started charging, carrying balance. That's what you said. If there's activity, then it will shoot up your credit score. Only right? thing I, you know, I don't know. I, that one, I'd have <laughs> to see his report. It, it, it leads me to believe that he probably has some real estate uh, or mortgages on there. When you are making mortgage payments, that's probably one of the best things for your credit score. It's going to shoot your mm -hmm. score up so fast, faster than paying down credit card debts and things like that. So you may be benefiting from some of your mortgage activity or maybe mm -hmm. some other debts that got cleared in the past. Uh, it's hard to qualify, and I don't want to give a, a specific answer here on a public forum without seeing your specific details, Arjun. Yeah, Arjun. So go to Victor, and then you guys have a chat. 
<laughs> but Arjun's kicking butt, man. 800, <laughs> the 750 credit score. I love it. I know. Okay. So let me see. Um, okay. So someone asks, okay, what reason can you stay for wanting to raise your credit card limit? What reasons can you stay for wanting to raise your credit card limit? Um, what reasons can you stay for wanting to raise your credit um, card limit? Yeah, so um, what are some that. reasons that you would want to raise your limit? Um, the number one reason I would tell you is to improve your credit score, not to go put in a new kitchen. Um, <laughs> you know, that's the part that as a consumer, as an American, we get taught to get credit to consume right so yeah. i would say if if i'm understanding the question what would be the reason to ask for a raising your credit limit it would be basically hey you know i'm trying to improve my credit score mm. now i get it I, the other part that just came to my head is do you want to tell the credit card company hey give me more limit but i'm not really going to use it that's probably not what you want to say yeah, on the don't, call hey don't give me that, yeah. Don't. <laughs> yeah add me add five thousand dollars to my credit card i'm not going to use it i just want to benefit from my credit score yeah don't say just yeah. say oh i'm gonna spend this 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 is that so they'll be happy you know, I'll be, i don't know that i've had them ask me why um in fact what comes to mind is the only couple times that i've voluntarily asked them to raise it was something like oh yeah that makes sense you know <laughs> it is the holidays or you know something like that it was like it, yeah. there was no reasoning they didn't yeah, yeah. Need, yeah, like, it's, yeah it's quite sad here in america because we have so much cre your credit cards your credit limit like we live on credit like literally if you have ten thousand dollars you might not have the ten thousand dollars oh i can spend up to ten thousand dollars because you only pay the minimum so it's quite sad i was born and raised in the philippines i yeah. moved here in 2000 before then it was all cash like there's no concept of like credits like here you come here it's like oh yeah charge 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 oh you only pay twenty dollars a month that's that's fine that's fine you just pay this interest so maybe yeah. Right. It's easy, right? I did a I did a presentation last year um, at Richland College here in Dallas, Texas, and I was doing some research preparing my PowerPoint. And one of the things I came across was that the average American, and we're talking about about 80% of Americans, are spending 125% of their income every month. How do you spend 25% more of your income every month? Credit cards. Credit yeah, yeah. There you go. or loans it's, there you go it's, it's just crazy it's it's quite sad there's no financial literacy here it's not mandatory so i wish like i don't know why that's not being changed maybe we should vote everyone vote on congress like <laughs> we're changing it we're changing it with these <laughs> platforms right here right exactly. now that's okay good. so michael gomora said you should never negotiate anything less than account close satisfactory I, i'm not sure what does that mean like when you're so what he's saying is mm -hmm. uh kind of what i was talking about um, you don't want them to accept the reduced settlement unless they're agreeing to market as a closed. It's satisfied. Now, it might not always say account closed satisfactory. It might mm -hmm. say satisfied in full, paid as agreed, um, you know, uh, paid in full, settled in full. There's a few different namings for that, depending on um, which bureau it is. But um, yes, I would agree with him. Get in writing that they're going to mark that account as satisfied in full or, or mm -hmm. finalized. This is will be a zero balance upon receipt of this payment. Got it. Okay. So um, Mike, uh, he said, again, there's no point in negotiating or paying any debt unless it's reflected as paid satisfactory. Okay. Sounds like Michael knows his stuff there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Kenneth Dunner says, I usually pay my credit cards uh, bills in full each month. Great job. Me too. And all the credit card companies must hate us, right? Because they're not making money from us. <laughs> right. 
Okay, so uh, Michael said, my credit card went down when I paid off my car note. Credit mix is a score factor and the car was a major loan. Oh, yeah, like what about car loans? Like, do you think that's a good way to, is it as good as mortgage? I mean, like sort of as good as having a mortgage because you're paying something monthly? Yeah, as you're paying, it, it will continue to increase. The biggest thing I want people to understand in this conversation is, the biggest thing you could do to improve your credit score is to always pay bills on time. With every month that goes by that all your bills that are on your credit report are paid on time, mm -hmm. you are continuing to boost your credit score. So there's mm -hmm. nothing that's more effective than that. That's 35, 40% yep. of your credit score. Yep. But oh. here's what happens. Let's go back to my analogy about the two pound dumbbell and the 10 mm -hmm. pound dumbbell. So <laughs> okay. you paid off your car loan. You were, you've never been late on your car loan. And mm -hmm. it's the month before your last payment is due. Your credit score is probably 700, 750. Three months, two months after you pay it off, that balance goes to zero. The account goes from active to closed. Remember, closed accounts, two pounds. Active accounts, 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. So you lost some of the effectiveness of that auto loan because you're no longer responsible for it. Yep. They don't see any any strain on you to have to take care of it. It's already been satisfied. You got mm -hmm. credit for it while you were juggling it because they didn't know if you're going to keep stay on point mm -hmm. with it. So they're rewarding you every month. Yeah, we got another on-time payment. Get that guy yeah. a star. Get that girl a star. <laughs> but now it's done. So they're not going to keep giving you stars every month, months and months after you paid off that car loan. Mm -hmm. I don't know how your behaviors changed the month after you paid off your car loan. So they can't give you credit for that positive yep. credit for that loan anyway. They're looking yep. now at other factors. All right. Let me look at another. Okay. Bill Thomas says, is the credit repair industry saturated? Are there opportunities for newcomers? Yeah. Oh, Bill, you're trying to be a credit coach too. I was also telling Victor, I'm now interested to learn about right. it as well. <laughs> I love it. Well, Bill Thomas, there is definitely a saturation of bad credit report, uh, credit repair companies uh, or unethical credit repair companies or cookie cutter letter sending credit repair companies. <laughs> but if you want to be somebody who really takes pride in cons uh, consulting someone through their credit challenges, uh, educating people on how to manage their credit better, to continue to thrive with their credit life, then there's a very small space for you uh, as far as, you know, there's not many of us out there like that. And, mm -hmm. you know, being truthful, my price point is a little bit different than a monthly subscription fee. I don't charge people for 18 months, $100 a month, like many credit repair companies are doing. But I will charge you a flat fee because my time, my expertise, our resources, our tools, the guidance that we give you, we include in our 90-day program, we give people a video that walks them through basically an action plan that we've created. And then I'm going to have myself or one of my colleagues create a video around that action plan. So I've literally had clients call me months later and say, you know what? We did a family meeting on Sunday and I had seven of my family members watch the video so that I could educate them on ways to improve. I use my bad credit. This is the person saying and the guidance that you gave us to improve my credit score. And I educated six other family members on a Sunday afternoon. So this is a, you know, we take pride in educating people on that. And Bill Thomas, you're not gonna run across a lot of people that would do that. There's a lot of people that are using 
um, softwares out there that are auto generating letters and they're not personalizing this stuff for their clients. And unfortunately yeah. they're getting some minimal results and that's good enough to encourage them to get more clientele, but they're truly not yeah. educating people the way that they should. Not all, but the, the mass majority yeah. of them out there are not so, operating that. Okay. So how do you find a good credit coach? Like, like I see advertisement for like, oh yeah, I can call the credit cards for you, negotiate for you. Like, are they good? Like how do you, how can you, what kind of um research can you do to know that they are uh, credible or like good credit coaches like you? So yeah. Well, uh, well one, one, I would ask them, are they certified? Um, do you have anything that shows me that you've taken extensive training in this, uh, that you have a, a, a expertise, you've, you've put in a certain number of hours of learning this education? That would be mm -hmm. the first thing. Provide me something that shows that you are at an elevated status in, in credit mm -hmm. education. Mm -hmm. Secondly, check their credentials. You know, do you have three or four references that you could send to me, some people that you've worked with in the recent past that have come to you with a bad credit score and are now on the other side out of your program and, you know, have purchased their home or purchased a car. You know, I got dozens of them I could send to you. Or you could check with the vendors that I work with that send me clients. There's, you know, a slew of mortgage lenders that I work with that, you know, live and die by me, you know, responding to their people. They'll text me in a group text. Hey, Victor, this is Sally. Sally, this is Victor. Uh, you guys need to talk to help my client get her scores where they are. So credentials, referrals, and check with the vendors that send business to them. And mm -hmm. it won't be uh, either you're not going to get anything mm -hmm. or you'll be e easily able to verify whether or not mm -hmm. they are a qualified person. And then mm -hmm. I guess the fourth piece would be things like this. Are they consistently dropping valuable education, things mm -hmm. that maybe you took one or two nuggets from a post that I did on LinkedIn or something mm -hmm. that, from yep. this uh, podcast yeah. that actually helped you raise your score? That might be something that would tell you, hey, this person mm -hmm. knows what he's talking about or she knows mm -hmm. what they're talking about. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, so what about those that call the credit cards to actually negotiate for you? Are those even like valid? Like, do you do that too? Um, those are debt consolidation companies or oh, okay, uh, okay, credit it. counselors. No, we don't. Um, so okay. one of my team members is IAPDA certified, which basically is the mm. credentials that allows her to negotiate settlements on mm. debt. So she is qualified to make the phone call mm -hmm. for you, with you, and, and negotiate. But more frequently, we are guiding our clients on how to negotiate that mm -hmm. because um, you know, I don't want to jump on that call and then they have a follow-up conversation with you later mm -hmm. and you weren't mm -hmm. prepared, you know, conversationally. Yeah, yeah. So okay. we guide them, we give them a settlement template, some different letters, some things that, um, they can submit to their creditors okay. to make offers, mm -hmm. um, and get high results and responses from them. Good. So are those, are those, um, effective usually to improve your credit score? Well, again, as I said, not every collection account um, is going to give you points, but sometimes okay. you have a collection account on your credit report that may not be hurting your credit score, but your mortgage lender wants you to take care of it so that mm -hmm. they can get you qualified or they can get you a better rate or they can get you in a special payment program. Um, so the collections do need to be addressed and at mm -hmm. least looked at and, and uh, resolved, but mm -hmm. not every time paying a collection account 
is going to mm -hmm. always raise your credit score. Got it. Got it. Okay. So we're almost at the hour. So before we end, I do want to talk a little bit more about the real estate investing. So yes, how did you got it. into that? If you someone wants to get into that, like what advice do you have for them? Like how, how many properties do you have now? And how, how did you get started? Right now, we brought it back down to five single family wow. properties. We've had seven. What, what were? Um, and that's the thing. They're all over. Uh, San Antonio, okay. Texas. Okay. Um, Kyle, Texas. Okay. Kansas City, Kansas, Smyrna, okay. Georgia, which is north of Atlanta. Yeah, and okay. so these are places that I either have family or I've lived. And so mm -hmm. through my various ventures, I would say, hey, it's time to buy a property. So yeah. you let me backtrack to you said, how did you get into it? First of all, mm -hmm. I want to say this is very important that I say this. Both of my grandmothers, black women in the 60s, owned rental properties. Mm -hmm. They were, neither of them were married women. These were single black women. And I'm very proud of them for that because they built a legacy for my family mm -hmm. that can never be taken away. But one yeah. of them was in California and one was in New York and they were buying properties in the sixties and renting them out to people. And so I was inspired by that as a teenager. I was inspired by that in my early twenties and, and early thirties, but you know what? I never took action. I had the information. I had the, the, inspiration and motivation, but I didn't take action. And so finally, uh, I moved to Austin, Texas in 2015. And here's the non-credit thing I would guide or give to people. Listen, folks, change your environment. It changes your conversations. I changed my environment, got to Austin, Texas, and started having conversations with people about that were buying rental properties and real estate. And so I decided to, I was making more money. My debts were behind me. I decided to put my money to work for me and not just me to work for me. And so I bought that first property in San Antonio in 2015 and uh, have continued to do that. And you asked, what would somebody do if they're interested in getting into that? Well, lo and behold, after doing so many of these things, I'm somewhat of an expert and <laughs> I have created my own platform. I have online courses where I teach people how to buy their first rental property in 90 days. You can get that on the same website under my face here, mm -hmm. or uh, I do coaching programs where um, I, you know, I charge $1,297. If they tell me that they came through you, we'll knock 300 bucks off of that. And I will put mm -hmm. them in the 90 day program so that mm -hmm. they can get their own rental property going here mm -hmm. in the next 90 days. Oh, cool. So, so basically, okay. So you, you, um, you buy property. So do you use like the, the equity from one to buy another one? And then you, mm -hmm. you just kind of go on like that? Um, yes and no. For the first one, I did not. I actually used private money, a private lender. Uh, it was very expensive money, but oh. <laughs> I was very intentional about why I was using it. I was using got it to it, buy it. it and to fix that property as quickly as possible. And then I refinanced that property oh, for a much okay. cheaper rate. And okay. so that's part of the coaching that I give is show people how to do that. Since cool. then, my credit was better and my finances are better. So I have utilized equity from one and purchased another. I've used some other creative financing strategies to acquire properties. Um, so now again, I've gotten very comfortable with uh, making offers, buying properties and Got being it. able to rent those out pretty quickly. Wow, wow. So you do you need 20% for the rentals, like down payment or like more than, more than that as if it's an investment? In a conventional situation, yes, you would be required mm -hmm. to put 20% down on an investment mm -hmm. property. Uh, but again, there are several ways to acquire properties. 
And um, again, reach out to me if you're very interested in wow. learning that. Yeah, process. no, that's I, I'm now interested. So we, we need to talk about that too, because like, I've actually been thinking about that. But I'm like worried about like you know investing in a place where like I don't live. Like, do you recommend that? Because you you live in Texas, obviously, so it's it's like pretty close by. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. like I I just feel like you know that there's more risk if you don't live in that place. Like, I I mean. Is that well, okay to my strategy is and everybody is different, but my strategy is live where you want, invest where you want. Why okay. not? I mean, yep, you're yep. In a, you know, if you follow a process mm -hmm. and a certain system, you can do it anywhere. There are probably, right. I would say probably 40 to 50 percent of landlords do mm -hmm. not live in the city that their property is in. Mm-hmm. Got so but yes, you had, there are definitely ways got, to do it. Because you had family in the other state. Like, what was that state again? Sorry. In Georgia and yeah. in Kansas City. But mm -hmm. they don't manage the properties for me. Got I it. just I just happened to be there and, you know, opportunities came up. So I bought there. Got it. And also in Atlanta, in Georgia, I have a daughter who just had a daughter. So I'm a granddad uh, now. And wow, so, you are? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're oh, so young. Bro. Thanks, bless you your take heart, care girl. of yourself. <laughs> I thought you were youth, right there. <laughs> youth. Yeah, I, I gotta give him so, some compliments here so he can give more. So I'm <laughs> just kidding. Okay, thank so, so thank you so much. Like if everyone um looks like um there's no more question, we're at the hour, so sorry we went a little over. So why didn't you tell people how can they find you? Of course, Yuri um put your um oh wait, actually I can't bring your stuff back up again. Let's okay. see. Okay, one second. Okay, yeah, go. go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's my website, nicodonprojects.com. Or you can connect with me here on Instagram, on IG, at the Victor Vanico un uh, Johnson underscore Nico oh Don Projects. I was like, like, did you just like mistype that, Victor? I was like, I, when I was reading your email, is that your Instagram? Like, did I just like. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'm weird like that. I pointed my name and my company in it because people look for me both. Anyway. So, yeah, okay. you can find me there or Victor V. Johnson, Victor Vanico Johnson on LinkedIn, Facebook, and on. Uh, you, please, folks, follow me on YouTube, Nico Don Projects. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I drop a lot of good, useful information about real estate, about credit, about finances, yeah. starting your business. I love to connect with folks out there. As you can see, mm -hmm. I just like to share. I love to see people winning out there. So yeah. if I can help you, I would love to be a resource. Yeah. So I'm going to tag you in this post, of course, afterwards. So yeah. you might get a lot of connection. So where do you hang out mostly, though? Like you, you're in like different platforms. Like where do you hang out mostly? Um, I love LinkedIn. I love the okay. community over there. Everybody just so, so intelligent on LinkedIn. Yeah. So I really yep. love those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, when I'll be a little bit ratchet, I could go to Instagram or Facebook. Or something, Rick Ratchet, you know? even like <laughs> when you want to be like a troll. A little bit ratchet, yeah. <laughs> let Cost my hair trouble. down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank yep. you so much to everyone who joined. Thank you so much, Victor. I mean, I really appreciate this. So you want to stay on afterward? Just, just hang on, okay? All right. Thank you for listening to my podcast episode. Please feel free to leave a review and follow me on LinkedIn. You can find me by my full name, Christine Tay. That's T-E-H. I am also on Instagram and YouTube under my company name, Tay Financial Coaching. You can check my services and LinkedIn online course by going to my website at www.tayfinancialcoaching.com. I will see you on the next episode. Thank you.